Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Marcy Projects here in Brooklyn, New York. Why are we here? To buy weed? Not this time, Bill. No, everyone knows we're here for one reason and one reason only. We're here for the 8th Annual World Series of Dice. Well, that's right, Rob. Some of the greatest players from around the world have gathered here to compete for the grand prize. One another's money and bragging rights for the whole year. Let's meet them, these kings of Click Clack. From Kansas City, Missouri, legendary shooter Grits and Gravy. Grits and Gravy. Kansas City, Missouri. Flying in from the Far East is Fyuk Hugh. One of the premier dice players in the Eastern Hemisphere. He has played dice in some of the gulliest of games. Yuck, you. Konnichiwa, wretches. Rapsaka, gravy. And that's Leonard Washington. You know, they say Papa didn't take no mess. Well, neither does Leonard. My name's Leonard Washington. Where I'm from? No town called nothing your goddamn business. Play your dice, bitches. Episode 173 of Gundam at MAHQ. I'm one of your hosts, Chris. And I'm Sobo Ryu. All right, so we have some Gundam to discuss this episode, but before that, we have some mailbag. Mailbag. Jeez, what am I doing? <laughs> uh, I don't even know what I'm doing. I, don't, I can't run this show. Oh, my Let's goodness. call the whole thing off. <laughs> we quit. <laughs> That's it. Gundam at Chaos Theater. I don't even... Who knows? <laughs> no, we're going to... We're going to hit up some of the Gundam news at the Larry King Memorial News Desk. You are the king! You are the king! Which, in lieu of Neo doing it, you can send your news items to me by posting them in the Neo's Listener Submitted News thread on megatalk.net. And the first submission of the night comes from Yaynet Dude via Anime News Network. Talking about uh, Gundam Wing will get a North American Blu-ray release and Zeta will be the next Blu-ray release from Right Stuff as confirmed by Right Stuff President Sean Kleckner on ANN's ANN cast. Nice. And he says, Gundam Wing, when we get that far, will be on Blu-ray. You gotta keep in mind that the Gundam universe has a lot of Gundam. It takes a while to get through all that Gundam, and I'm going as fast as I can. We literally have a new Gundam coming out every single month for months. If I start doing three or four Gundams at a time, we're gonna run into a problem at retail because people can't absorb it fast enough. Mm-hmm. If I put out Gundam constantly, people aren't gonna be aren't gonna have money to buy it. So there you go. It's going to be uh, an active year in 2016 between Origin being released, between God knows what's going to happen with Thunderbolt, between uh, Iron Blood Orphans release, and then all this cat 
epilogue stuff of finally getting double Zeta and X and victory. And hey, some Blu-rays were winning. Mm-hmm. That's not bad, man. I, I'm, I'm glad to see that they've got a they got a schedule going though, and um, that they're they're going to uh, they're at least letting people know in advance which ones they can bring out here, and letting people know the reality of the situation too. It's like we can't just dump them all on people because they may not buy it <laughs> because you only can spend so much money, and uh, that yeah. just makes sense. But uh, I'll, I'll be glad to ditch those old those dusty old wing DVDs, circa 2000. Mm-hmm. With shiny Blu-rays. So, Wing fans should be able to celebrate on this one, man. This is a long time coming. All right. Next up, we have one from listener Tochiro. There's a link at macross.jp slash movie where you can watch a trailer for the upcoming Delta TV special on New Year's Eve. And this is a preview version of the first episode, not unlike what was done eons ago with Frontier. Mm -hmm. And it also mentions that the Speaker Podcast crew is going to be going to a special pre-screening on the 26th. So, lucky them. Yeah, those lucky cats, man. That's pretty cool that they get to go, man. Uh, they have a great podcast, by the way, for those that don't know. You should definitely check that out. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they have to say about that. Yep. Next up is an item from Rodimus76 via Wasabi. And the headline is Ghost in the Shell, new movie version, virtual reality divers, teaser footage unveiled. Hmm. Production company IG unveiled part of its ambitious project on November 24th. The company unveiled new movie version, virtual reality divers, teaser footage, footage content VR experience app now under development this is some really choppy uh, English here it kind of is right is this like a machine <laughs> translation this sounds really bad definitely not smooth <laughs> So anyway, if you follow the links and you go to YouTube, you can watch a regular version or you could watch the virtual reality version maybe with um, like Google Cardboard or the Samsung VR or some of that kind of junk mm-hmm. and check it out. I need to get Google Cardboard, man. I, I just recently uh, got turned on to it because of the uh, the whole Star Wars uh, Jakku, I think, uh, tour. Yes, and uh, I, I I heard about that, and I downloaded the app, and it's like, oh man, I actually need a cardboard. You got to build the thing. Uh, <laughs> Google gives them away sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, but if you subscribe to the New York Times, they're giving them away, away to subscribers because they're going all in and producing virtual reality content to um, complement stories. Oh, oh. they're going to be doing video content of stories. This is going to be like a whole big thing. Like they're going all in on this stuff. Oh, that's badass. I did not know that. Yeah, they're shipping out millions of these cardboard units for free to subscribers. That's pretty cool. It, it gives me a vibe like, uh, remember the old viewfinders from back in the day that we had as kids? In fact, uh, the new viewfinder that was made with Google is a Google Cardboard compatible thing. What? You could use that new viewfinder, viewfinder with the Cardboard app. It's all coming around. <laughs> that's crazy. Yep. Oh my god, that's dope. I'll have to get my hands on that then. Yep. The next one comes from Rodimus76 once again via Geek Tyrant and says here, Damon Lindelof admits Star Trek Into Dumbness screwed up with that whole con reveal. Boy, did they. Yep. Uh, says here, there's no reason to be mysterious just for mysterious' sake. That's the thing I'm trying to learn because it's completely and totally situational. We did Into Dumbness, for example. We decided that we weren't <laughs> going to tell people that Benedict Cumberbunch was playing Khan. And that was a mistake because the audience was like, we know he's playing Khan. Mm-hmm. That was why it was a mistake. But J.J. is telling us nothing about the new Star Wars movie, and we love it. Yeah. I've not come across a single person who's like, I wish I knew a little bit more. We're like, thank God he's said 
separating us from all the things we revealed in the movie theater. So good on Lindelof. Uh, I still don't like him as a writer, but uh, <laughs> I, I respect him outside of that because he seems like a decent guy and he's big enough to admit when uh, he's made a mistake. Unlike, say, you know, Roberto Orsi. Oh, God. I will say this. I haven't started watching the show yet, but I've heard nothing but rave, raving reviews over the, the latest season of The Leftovers. Like people are saying it's like the best season of television in a long time. So it's like, man. After after Lost, I have no ex- interest of watching any TV show with the name Damon Lindelof oh, attached. Oh, my God. So, so people, good people can change? <laughs> Well, uh, two years ago, he showed that he's not doing so well with Into Dumbness, and the year before that, yeah. he showed that he's not doing so well with Prometheus, Prometheus. so yeah, he, he's on my shit list right now. I, I'm not, not interested in anything he has to write. Well, he'll have to work his way back into your heart. <laughs> I don't know that he can. Oh, man. It's going to be a hard job, Lindelof. Keep trying. <laughs> Next up, Vent Noir has a story via ANN about the Japanese finalists being announced for the Gunpla Builders World Club World Cup and one of them is a young boy named Sei Iori. I know, I mean <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> Never heard of him before. <laughs> So there's a link to the Japanese finalists being announced, and there's a separate one for the North American finalists announced by Bluefin, including Kevin Zhang, Nate He, and Michael Wine. Nice. Our finalists. And Zhang is moving on to the finals to compete against Meijin Kawaguchi. I mean, no, not at all. <laughs> you never know. And Rodimus76 and Tochiro both have links to some trailers for Gundam The Origin Part 2, as well as the crazy Thunderbolt trailer for Gundam Thunderbolt. Well, that the gun of the origin one, the uh, I guess they showed like a special trailer during the uh, the screening of Artesia's Sorrow in Japan, and it was that Gundam Rising trailer. I wanted to ask you, what is the significance of that? Is that was just something just just for them to show, or do they plan on continuing the origin once they finish the Shar backstory? Oh, there's always a significance. Oh, okay. you know what that significance is? Oh, go ahead. Selling merchandise. Yay! Because <laughs> guess what just came out? Oh, let me guess a uh, a master grade of the uh, of the arc. 78-2 from uh, Gun of the Origin? Bingo! Oh my god, how did you know? <laughs> I mean, how did I know? <laughs> so, this little Gundam Rising video, guess what it's meant to promote? I suppose it's that, but, um... Exactly. I, man, it makes... I, I, I do wonder, though, once they finish Shar's backstory, it'll probably end up right at the Side 7 launching of the of the RX-78. Like, it'll probably end right there. Just to just to just to bring things all the way forward to the first issue of Gundam: The Origin, but uh, maybe so. But uh, you know, there's no indication that they're going to keep doing the Origin, and they've already moved on now to Thunderbolt. So mm-hmm. I'm going to say, Origin fans, uh, sorry, you're not getting your full series remake. Man. Speaking of Thunderbolt, I guess it's been confirmed that it's going to be an ONA. Yes, it's going to be online for rental and download. Mm-hmm. So we haven't heard anything about English availability, but it will be. A new submission. I'm just uh, tossing this out there. It's yep. gonna be available starting Christmas. Man, yeah, it's, I saw the trailer, and uh, a lot of people are, 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 I guess, geeking out because of the jazz music. Man, the in- interpretive jazz. jazz music. You got gritty, amputated men. Yes. So you know, it's looking. That's gr- your thing. It's looking great. <laughs> then you're gonna have a nice Christmas. Hey, man, I'm excited for that 15 minutes. <laughs> 
18 minutes. Man. And lastly, we have, once again, listener Rodimus76 via Gundam Guy. Viewer complaints about a scene from Mobile Suit Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans. Man. And it says here, the complaint referenced a scene that shows several non-resistant prisoners and enemy soldiers are gunned down by the young male protagonist. <laughs> Although the complaint did not specifically name Gundam as the series in question, the scene described in the complaint does seem like it was shown in one episode. And we know that that's episode three. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> when, when Mika goes uh, Pulp Fiction on uh, those guys from the First Division. And they were resisting. Last I remember, uh, the one guy was not complying at all. He tried to get up and do something, and that's what he got. Well, first, the first guy mm-hmm. that they murdered, the leader, he was not resisting. He was just on the floor. It's oh, yeah. the other guy who uh, who ran towards Mika that uh, got capped as well. That's right. That's right. It was the second guy. But, yeah, um, I, it, still in the context of the scene, I thought it was pretty much justified and um like the blowback from this was it uh, the show is not aired at a time that you know kids would normally watch right it's it's a it's a show it's a show in a later time slot right Uh, it is not a late night show oh no (laughs) is it it aired like in a time slot like gundam gundam build fighters or something i think it's the now traditional gundam time slot Is it Sunday at 5 or 6 o'clock? So, no, it is not a late night. This isn't some Code Geass type thing where you can do whatever you want because nobody's watching. Yeah. It's late night. So that's that's why it's raised the ire of the, of the, of the watchdog groups over there. That's crazy, man. But I, I figured that they would at least let people know this is a show for like a more mature set. But uh, I guess how do you go about doing that when you got Gundam slapped on the, the title of the show? But... Man, have you heard any kind of crazy follow-up stories to this at all? Well, you know, when I hear about this kind of stuff, it's like, who gives a shit? <laughs> oh, some some group of people somewhere are mad about something, you know, on television. Who who gives a shit? So I, what? I mean, I, I I remember the day and age of Japanese anime where it was ultra-violent, even in, like, I mean, granted, that was the 80s and the 90s, so, you know, they could get away with a lot more back then, but I just did, I've now come to realize that they, they now police their shows as much as Americans do, and that does Well, remember, sucks. though, that a lot of that ultra-violence that you're used to from the 80s, mm-hmm. most likely from movies and OVAs. Oh, yeah, but there were some TV shows that also had violence in there, too, like Fist of the North Star and whatnot, so... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that, that's, that's more the exception than the rule. Yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> it does I, I, you, you you raise a good point but yeah um i don't know i just think that anime was a lot more risque years ago and nowadays they're getting they're not able to get away with as much and i guess it that- was and, and it's sad but uh you know again you know random angry people are are pissed off about a tv show who who cares right, same old song <laughs> but what difference does it make nobody gives a shit well damn Nothing will happen from this. Sweet. And people bitched. I remember, you know, in Japan, people bitched about uh, the quote-unquote infamous uh, sex scene in Seed. It's like, okay. Oh, yes. And you raise a good point about that. <laughs> Nothing. What happened? Nothing. Nothing. What did they do? They made it more explicit in the special edition. They sure did. <laughs> oh, man. So you can continue to drop us those news items on mechatalk.net we do not have any robo apocalypse robophilia survey news so we will close out this segment and be right back you're listening to gundam at mahq
Hello, everyone. I'm David Kay, a.k.a. the voice of Professor X from that old series, X-Men Evolution. And you're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. Logan? Logan, where is Storm? Tell her to come for tea. In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning. In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is Not That Podcast www.ssapodcast.com The Ass Backwards Anime Podcast Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, let's go again. From a time long ago, in a basement far away, there comes a time when there's only one hero to protect us all from the trolls. Warranted and unwarranted. Is it him? Against Gundam Sea Destiny. It appears destiny is firmly on my side. What? There stands a man who alone will defend the honor of said show for all to enjoy. You're something that shouldn't have been allowed to exist, boy! Just shut up! His name rings out and is like curses to those evil doers. If people learned of your existence, they would want to be just as you are! That name... Chairman 025, Defender of Destiny! You shouldn't blame me! This is mankind's dream! Mankind's desire! Mankind's destiny! Coming this fall on WSBR, your home for DVR hits. This is pretty cool. Hey, man, is that Gundam? Yeah, man. Well, turn it up, man. Enemy approaching. I'll bring up the screen for you. Objects are moving quickly. Armed and targeting. Within range in 34 seconds, sir. Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. And for our main topic tonight, we're going to be discussing episode two of Gundam the Origin OVA series, Artasia's Sorrow. So, like the first one, we're not going to get into too in-depth of a summary because this is all ground that we've covered before (laughs) when we're talking about the manga. Yeah. So, in essence, though, this episode adapts most of the rest of volume five the Shar and Zayla backstory. So we start in 0071 with Shar and Zayla living on Earth with uh, Tiabolo Mass, and he's obviously given them the pseudonyms of Sela and Edward. Mm-hmm. And 
things are not going well because Jimba stupidly tries to hook up with Anaheim to get support for armed resistance against the zombies, and then the zombies send assassins to kill everybody, which results in an armored knight killing Jimba and injuring Edward. So eventually, the family heads to space at the urging of a certain Mr. Yashima. Mm-hmm. Yes, that Mr. Yashima. And they go to his Texas colony, and they move into uh, an empty hotel that's run by the Osnabel family. Mm-hmm. We have a teenage son named Char, who looks exactly like Casval slash Eduard, except for the fact that they have uh, different colored eyes. God, he might as well be his clone. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> So there's some trouble along the way. Uh, Char getting well, Char, Casval uh, mm-hmm. slash Edward getting into uh, bar fight with a uh, zombie spy, all sorts of stuff like that. And as we near the end of the episode, there's some heavy developments, starting with the news that. Their mother, Astrea, has died because she was wasting away from sickness in exile on side three. And not too long after that, Sela's poor little cat, Lucifer, dies one night of old age. And coming after that, Casval decides to leave her and very suddenly and says goodbye, which brings us back to that famous flashback scene from the TV series where she uh, sees him leaving, and they're even wearing the same clothes, just for the sake of consistency. Oh yeah, man, gives it all the context in the world finally. <laughs> and he's carrying uh, some briefcase and, and wearing that trench coat, and, sh- and she's uh, chasing after him. Which, now in context, uh, is more messed up given that um, he's leaving her Soon after the death of their mother and and her cat, it's like a th- it's like one two three punches. <laughs> to which she says, you know, everyone's leaving me first, my mother and Lucifer, and now you. Yep, exactly. So interestingly, this episode leaves off the very last chapter of Volume Five. Instead of closing off there, that'll be the start of episode three. Mm-hmm. So what were your thoughts on this episode? Well, I do think it was a smart place to stop it. Um, because although as I, I did like, I do love the next chapter because it's so wrong, but, <laughs> um, but it, it'll make for an interesting beginning for, uh, for OVA three when that drops. But, um, overall, man, uh, this is a very, uh, very uh, entertaining volume, I would have to say. Um, some of the things I really enjoyed to kick things off is the insight on uh, Jimbo Rawls' deal with the Anaheim Ele- Electronics Corporation and the little asides that they showed when he and uh, Don Teobolo have that conversation. And, you know, Don, I, I didn't even realize Don Teobolo was that big because <laughs> he just picks that man under one arm and carries him into the room where they have that talk. But yeah, that was, that was a nice aside, I got to say. Um, also, just the, 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 the back and forth that Sailor and Shar have throughout this volume. I'll be honest with you. I, 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 I've never, I've never taken to Sailor Mass like a lot. Of, she has a lot of fans, without a doubt, but she's not my favorite character on the white base. But this, this chapter kind of endears me to her a little bit more. She's, she's, you know, by the time we get to her in Mobile Suit Gundam, she's a bit of a nice queen, but you know why she's the way she is. And that's because she's kind of had a, a hard upbringing, even though they've lived kind of charmed lives in spite of, uh, you know, what, what, what some people would call hard living. 
But um, some of the other scenes in this episode that really took me um, were definitely the the fight uh, between Shar and the Knight, and just how 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 badly he screws up, uh, how badly he kills Jimbo Raw. That shit that shit was brutal. <laughs> and I forgot that Tio Bolo fell out the window. Like um, I don't know if he landed in something, but it looks like he just hit the ground because he was in traction. The next time you see him. <laughs> shit looked uh pretty messed up but um the fight between shar and him was very well illustrated i've got to say that they uh they did the manga justice on how that played out especially the way the knight moved and how the weight of the uh suit you know threw him off balance and shar took advantage of that i thought that was very uh very well illustrated still just a weird choice for it is like i don't see the sense in why he would just completely get suited up unless he was there the whole time because they, they showed that suit of armor several times throughout the beginning of the episode and it's like there's not a dude in there right now is there just standing like a a uh what what they call a beef eater <laughs> playing 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 dumb until uh it was his time to strike it's like there's no way they got a spy sitting inside that suit of armor that makes no sense <laughs> Yeah, and and if he was, it's like, what was the point? Given that those those gorillas just stormed the walls so easily. Yeah, and they had guns. Would you think yeah. that? <laughs> like, much more efficient to just be running around with with guns than, oh, I'm just a little slow and lumbering in my stupid armor. Yeah, maybe it was just Yaz wanted to draw a fight with a dude in the suit of armor going against Shar and have a classic sword fight, which of course alludes to you know the end of Mobile Suit Gundam where he has a sword fight with Amuro too, and the fact that he's you know adept at fencing. I don't know where he had the chance to learn, but maybe he learned from the Dawn or something. But uh, you know this 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 is Shar's first sword fight we ever see him get involved in before he starts piloting mobile suits and whatnot. So uh, I thought it was pretty interesting to see that play out as as impractical as it was. <laughs> But the whole raid, the way they, uh, the way they uh, had that play out in this uh, episode, I thought was very well done too. I liked uh, the choice of lighting in some of the scenes and how when they you know, ripped through the house and were killing people left and right, just the way how disturbing that looked. You know, it actually uh, was more disturbing to me in animation than it was in the manga. I've got to say, one of the scenes that made me laugh though was later on in the episode where um, uh, Dagwin is uh, about to get into the car with uh, Garma. And he asks, uh, what's his, uh, Cassilia and, uh, Girin, where is, uh, where's Dozel? And neither of them know. And then he tells the Garma, it's like, you're going to be riding with me because I can't trust these motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it looked like he already assumed that they may have done away with Dozel, just like they killed off the other brother. Like, you know, he's not a, he's not an idiot. And he knows that maybe, uh, uh, I forget the older brother's name, the one that, uh, died the previous Sass episode. Sass yeah, Sasro. Uh, you know, uh, he, he, he died, uh, through mysterious circumstances. And I'm pretty sure at the back of his mind, it probably had, probably one of the other two freaking killed him. So he kinda is very protective of Garma for that reason. Cause God knows if they want to serve their purposes by killing off Garma, they will. <laughs> so, he keeps his son close to him. And I thought that was a funny scene. But, um, there's a lot more, man. Anything that comes to your mind in this episode as to, uh, what you found interesting or what you found to be, uh, well translated? Well, uh, a little bit of trivia mm -hmm. this episode uh even though it's still set pretty early in char's life mm -hmm. uh we have akeda doing the voice but uh trying to sound younger are you telling me that Ikeda is the voice of Shar throughout this whole episode? In uh, UC-71, I'm pretty sure it's him trying oh. to sound younger. Oh, my God, because I thought they had the one guy that they got for... Uh... I'm talking about Casval. Oh, Casval. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. But the other part of that is that the guy playing the real Shar 
is Toshihiko Seki, who previously played a Shar wannabe in Rao La Cruce. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty. That's pretty funny. So I thought that was kind of amusing. Mm-hmm. Well casted. Yes. Um, I felt that the tone of this episode was more consistent than the first one because there were parts of the first one that just felt strangely goofy. Yeah. And just uh, out of sorts. And I mentioned that when we reviewed that first episode. Yeah. Uh, but I like the fact that we've got Shuichi Ikeda in the role. Like we're getting closer to the Shar Aznable that we know. Right. And I think that's most well done in the scene where Tiabolo visits the school yes. and the principal's talking about how uh, Edward terrifies him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what is wrong with you? The, you know, blah, blah, blah. You're a horrible teacher and principal. And then he goes and he sees the bar fight. Oh, yes. <laughs> and then he sees that look in Edward's face. And then he understands and he feels that terror himself. Yep. It, it remi- That's the best moment of the episode to me. It reminds me of that movie. We, we need to talk about Kevin. <laughs> Except this, we need to talk about Edward. Because <laughs> he's different than every other kid in the block. He's, yep. he's not to be effed with at all. And that, that, that scene definitely uh, just displays his character and who he is. I mean, uh, just to see Sailor and how she it, it tries to uh, to bring him down and say, Hey, look, I don't like you when you're like this. And you've got to stop, you know, venting out like this. I, I, th- I thought it was a, a very poignant scene. Yeah. I also enjoyed, you know, all of the scenes they had with Tiabolo and how he endeavored to give Sela and, and Edward a normal life as well as he could given their situation and given that they had crackpot Jimba along with all of his <laughs> stupid rants about the zombies and, and Daikun and that he just would never stop. Yeah. And that he nearly got them all killed. So, you know, that just makes it all the more tragic that they, they could have had a nice normal life if Jimba didn't come and screw everything up. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and when he's ranting about, you know, this is my dream and am I not even allowed to dream anymore? It's like, oh, shut up, you stupid old codger. <laughs> he's so deluded. I, and I, you know, so deluded. So insane. And before before I saw Gun of the Origin, I always thought he was on point. You know, before I started reading the manga and watching the OVAs, I thought Jim Barral was like, I was always back in this play because he always wanted to make sure that Char got his... Uh, his his birthright and then to see him and how he tried to execute that it's like dude you're doing this all wrong <laughs> you you're out of your damn mind and uh it's pretty scary that how how devoted you are to uh to getting these people killed <laughs> which is exactly what he was trying to do yeah so what else jumps out at me in this episode how about the uh the mobile suit testing yeah that, that's uh some good stuff seeing these uh ancient crude mobile suits mm-hmm. start to come into play and seeing you know these guys who are future veterans like Ramba and the Black Tri-Stars. Yeah. Starting with these hunks of junk. Um, as a manga reader, I enjoyed seeing the friendship between Edward and Char. Mm-hmm. And that just creeping sense of dread because you you know what Edward is going to do. <laughs> What's at the back of his mind is like, oh, you are so, you are so yeah. effed up. <laughs> you can almost already see it in his eyes what he's planning. The gears are turning. <laughs> Here's the fact that Char wants to go to the Xeon Military Academy. Mm-hmm. It's all playing into his uh, into his plans, one way or the other. So, anything else noteworthy from this episode for you, Solbro? Um, uh, just a few odd things. Uh, uh I had come to notice that uh, Mirai Yashima's father looks a lot like the comedian uh, John Hodgman. Every time I see. <laughs> 
just the way he looks like an Asian version of that guy. If they ever casted this in live action, it's like, yo, just get him. No. <laughs> but yeah, the, the mobile suit testing, I, I, I really enjoyed those scenes. And when Doza goes to, um, to, I guess, recruit Rambo Raw after that bar fight was, uh, pretty awesome. And the fact that, uh, you know, Rambo Raw and, uh, and the Black Tri-Stars, at least, uh, or, uh, what's his, uh, not Ortega, but, uh, forget his name but the other guy uh how they almost came to killing each other during the testing that was uh pretty dope but uh for the most part it's just nice to finally have connection in animation to that episode of mobile suit gundam where sailor you know uh, flashes back to when char left her and 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 to finally get that i mean for people who watch mobile suit gundam back in 1979 and then to finally get to read that in gundam the origin and then get to see this play out to them it must be a big thing too to finally get the context of that scene and to see how the dots connect from the original series to this, I think that's 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 pretty awesome. It's a shame to see that uh, Australia uh, pretty much died. To me, she died of a broken heart, like uh, like old Padme. <laughs> but I also think she. I know, I know. But I also think she might have been poisoned. She might have been slowly poisoned because that wouldn't one, surprise me. That, She's, given how young she was and yeah. uh, how much uh, Daikun's first wife hated her. Yeah, exactly. Like that one scene where Haman's visiting her, and that woman is insistent on visiting hours being over and saying that uh, Australia needs to take her medicine. It's like, what exactly is in that medicine? Yeah, uh, it's I'll, like, what, is, is that her medicine ex- or is that her poison? Exactly. Uh, they're slowly poisoning her with something that probably can't even be traced, and uh, that's a damn shame that she just she just died alone and afraid for her kids uh, welfare man that that that's a bad that's a terrible way to go man well that scene where sailor finds out that her mother's died is it was even more uh even more striking in this ova than it was in the book and it, make, it makes you really feel for her man she she was shattered but uh you know they, they, it also um adds to her character and she becomes stronger because of it so uh, again this is as much sailor's backstory as it is uh shars and I, I think she got a lot of good scenes in this uh this volume but um a very, very uh, solid uh, episode, man. I've got to say, I've really enjoyed it. All right, so to wrap things up, what rating would you give oh, this? Got to give this uh, episode four uh, forward thrust of a sword into a suit of armor. <laughs> out of five. Four, four vanquished murderous knights out of five. I will give this one four ineffective school administrators out of five. Oh my God, no doubt. <laughs> So we will. We're not done with the origin yet because you can check out. Uh, probably next episode we'll be talking about the final volume of the manga. Yes, indeed. That that journey is over, and then probably not too long after that we'll be discussing episode three of the OVA adaptation. Yes, indeed. So be on the watch out for that. That's it for this segment. We'll be right back on Gundam at MHQ. down to me like I'm a kid. I totally dig being on my own. Plus, I can eat all the pizza I want. Didn't I tell you for years to go easy on the pizza? And don't tell me that's all you're eating every day. God, you're pathetic, you know that? Please don't talk to me like you're my mom. You're not the maternal... That's enough. Look, you better explain this. I don't give a damn about your personal life. Start talking. Are you a fan of Gundam, Robotech, or Transformers? Well, you should check out Gundam at MEHQ 
a wonderful source to learn about the Autobots. Yes, and once I learn about them, I will be the leader of the Decepticons. What was that, Starscream? Nothing, Lord Megatron. Nothing at all. We're looking for a few good new types. Over the last couple of months, the Gundam Nation has been getting together to play Mobile Suit Gundam Extreme Versus. We call those sessions EX Versus the Gundam Nation. Well, we as a group recently upgraded to the sequel to Extreme Versus, known as Full Boost. We're inviting you to come on out and play the new game with us. Even if you don't have the game, you can watch our live stream and also join in the conversation that we hold on Skype during the stream as well. It's not only a gaming session, but a social event for mecha and anime fans as well. If you have the game, you can add the PSN ID, The Gundam Nation, which is the tag that we use to network all the players for the sessions. Also, make sure to add to your Skype the contact of Shinjuku-Station. So you can have a chance to join the Skype conversation during the stream if you want to watch the stream live. Make sure to head on over to twitch.tv slash fightersready and follow us there so you can be alerted to when our streams begin. If you missed any of our sessions, head over to youtube.com slash gundammahq and you'll find a lot of our sessions that we've already had archived there. Just be in mind that the conversations held in these sessions may not be safe for work. For more details on the event, make sure you visit gundam.net and click on the EX versus the Gundam Nation section. If you enjoy the game, the podcast, or Gundam in general, then you owe it to yourself to come on out to EX versus the Gundam Nation. We'll see you there. Damn you! I almost numbchucked you. You don't even realize. Fly like a butterfly. Fly like a butterfly. Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. You're listening to episode 173, where we did a review of uh, Gundam The Origin, OVA Volume 2. And hope you guys enjoyed that. I know it's been a while since uh, since we've done a mailbag, and sadly this episode we'll be doing some mailbag questions. Let's do it. I've t- I turned the mic over to Chris. Uh, take it away, sir. Uh, oh, you, buddy. Oh, yeah. Wait a minute. Before we actually get into that, let me fix my face. Um, I had mentioned to Chris before we started recording that I had a couple questions I wanted to ask him. So I'm going to put him on the spot. I'll answer them, too, since we're here. Uh, but the questions are uh, are going to be about uh, Star Wars. Uh, we're recording this a week before The Force Awakens comes out. And I wanted to kind of take the temperature on what, uh, some of, what are some of Chris's thoughts about The Force Awakens before we uh, actually see it. So there'll be a little bit of before and after. If you want to know the after, Chaos Theater is going to be reviewing The Force Awakens after the the turn of the uh, uh, in um, the first episode of 2016. So be on the lookout for that episode. If you haven't subscribed to Chaos Theater, just search for it on iTunes. Just search for Chaos Theater, MAHQ, and you'll be able to pull up the podcast and subscribe to it there. Also, make sure to visit chaostheater.blogspot.com and you'll be made aware uh, once the new episodes are up there. Just keep checking. But um, the first question I have here uh, is, in the last couple of weeks, what has been your approach going into news on The Force Awakens? Have you uh, kind of been on an information blackout, or have you been just absorbing everything you possibly can? I've been trying to make a conscious effort to avoid most news, especially after the uh, international trailer, because... You know, we'd gotten not too long before that the 
final U.S. trailer, and then this international trailer comes along with a bunch of new footage, and mm-hmm. then you know I started to think, okay, maybe I had thought before this, like maybe the Disney machine's getting a little restrained because it kind of went into a little bit of an overgear with Age of Ultron. Yep. And nope. <laughs> uh, ever ever since that international trailer, there have been about a zillion TV spots. Oh yeah. I happen to catch like the first three on TV. And I've been actively trying to avoid them since then, especially when they've all been posted practically every other day, it seems, on all the various nerdy websites. So I've locked down, essentially, and I don't care how many TV spots there are. I don't care about featurettes. I just, like, one week out, I want to enjoy this movie as old school as possible. Wow. I will tell you this. They're up to, right now, they're up to 18 TV spots as of right now, and um, there's a ton of featurettes. I've, I've watched them all, sadly. <laughs> and what has that done for you? You know, I've, I've actually enjoyed um, the featurettes more than anything. Uh, just the interviews with the cast and their take on the characters and what they 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 um, their approach of going into it. And um, I, I, I there's one thing, and this is not a spoiler or anything like that, but um, one piece of information was when Daisy Ridley, her first day of filming for The Force Awakens, she was told by J.J. Abrams, you're coming off a little wooden on day one. I am so glad he said something to her because can you imagine the prequels may have turned out a little bit better if, if, if Lucas had given a damn. <laughs> Hey, uh, Natalie, uh, you're coming off a little uh, little wooden there. Could you, could you do something about that? Just read, read this wonderful dialogue with just a bit more emotion. Exactly. You know, she if she was nervous. You know, this is her first movie, period. She's never been and, in a movie before. And can can you do the part again where it says, um, Oh, Annie, you're breaking my heart. <laughs> Can't we go back to what it was like on Naboo when it was just us and our love? Can you read that part? Try to do it a bit more natural. Okay. Oh my god, you did it with more emotion than they did. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, the fact that she she uh, she was told that you know probably uh, relaxed her in some ways. You know, probably you know, she caught herself, and I think that's important that uh, Abrams you know had a had had a focus on the performances and whatnot. You can tell when you watch the trailers and you watch the uh, behind the scenes on the movie that it looks uh, like you know the characters are lived in. As opposed to the prequels, where they barely got to scratch the surface on those guys. So, but I've been watching everything. Uh, I I try to avoid some pieces of information. I had heard about a particular Q and A um, that happened on Twitter that uh, I think Harrison Ford said a little bit too much. I don't know what it was, but I heard it was uh, something very spoilerish for the movie. So I'm glad I missed that. But outside of that, yeah, I've been watching all the spots, including the behind the scenes. But um, my next question for you is: What new character are you looking for? looking forward to the most in, uh, when it comes to seeing them in action? Um, pretty evenly split between Ray and Finn. Mm. I, I, I'm a little bit more about Finn, although I, I, Ray really has started to grow on me, and uh, I'm excited to see exactly where the story takes her to, but I've got to say my, my uh, focus are on the same. With, uh, I'd say, a little bit of interest in Captain Phasma. I, I got to know exactly what her character is about. She's one of the characters we know the least about, and I kind of dig that. So I guess we'll see what happens to them. But uh, yeah. Kylo, Kylo Ren is Luke Skywalker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they already answered that question, right? <laughs> in my in my version of Episode Seven, it would have focused on the politics of the Senate of the New Republic. Oh my gosh. <laughs> 
You know, it's funny. He actually saw the movie um, and gave it a, a good rating. He said it's the version of the movie. The movie is the movie that the fans would want. Uh, that's how he phrased it. And he said some... Kind of seems like a backhanded compliment. Kind of does. Kind of does. Cause to which I would say, F you, sir. <laughs> I say good day, sir. It's Steven, Steven Spielberg saw it and he's seen it three times and says it's one of the best movies he's seen in a while. So, um, he gave it a good rating. And, uh, when I hear Spielberg giving it a, a, a thumbs up when he doesn't have to, cause this is not George's work. So it's not like he has to placate his ego. You know, still Spielberg came off and said, Hey, this movie's good. I mean, granted, Abrams is his boy, but at the same time, I'm pretty sure he'd be honest with him. Um, if the movie had some problems with it so they can go back and, and maybe make some improvements, but he enjoyed what he saw to watch it three times in a row so (laughs) but uh in spite of how you felt about how abrams handled into darkness are you going into the force awakens with cause uh as cautiously optimistic or are you expecting a prequel level disappointment (laughs) well you know lens flare aside i have Mm -hmm. no problems with the way that into dumbness was directed mm-hmm. my issue begins and ends with the writing yeah. so for that i put the blame entirely on kurtzman orsi and lindelof as you should as you should the, the the pretty much the problem started with the writing in that movie and i think abrams did the best he could uh to give us a, a good movie in spite of all that i think where he messed up was trying to be uh a bit too secretive about him Khan. and his mega secrets his obsession with secrecy which um going into this movie when it was announced before even there was a director or a cast or a name or anything, I said to myself, well, can't be worse than the prequels. Oh, man. And you were probably right because there's nothing worse than that. <laughs> well, I mean, when, when it comes I, to Star Wars, there's worse movies out there. But when it comes to Star Wars. I can't imagine that, that Abrams, you know, being the age that he is, mm-hmm. is, is a prequel fan because no. you know, he's older than I am. So he came up with these with the original trilogy. He's He's not going to ruin the thing that he loves so much he's been quoted as not being a big fan of the prequels uh this is before he started directing the films but um he's been quoted that he's not a big fan of the prequels and he also hangs out with simon Pegg, who we know does not like the prequels (laughs) oh he definitely does not like them at all do the vitriol that the man spits about the prequels is ridiculous if you have to which to which i say you you keep on sir If you guys have never seen the TV show Spaced, which is uh, where uh, a lot of people notice uh, Simon Pegg for the first time, and also uh, there was uh, the series was directed by Edgar Wright. There's a very good scene in the first episode where Simon Pegg rips into a kid about his love for the prequels, and he is brutal. <laughs> But um, yeah, he, uh, he Simon Pegg worked on the movie and also gave uh, advice to uh, Abrams about uh, the movie too. So I know collaborative. When it comes to the a collaborative effort, a lot of people who worked on this film wanted it to be a proper sequel to to um, uh, to the original trilogy, and I hope it does come off like that myself. I'm going in going in cautiously optimistic because I remember, and I'm sure Chris remembers this too. We went into um, the the Phantom Menace with the best of intentions. <laughs> Because we didn't know no, we, that, that what Lucas had had degenerated into. Yeah. Now, now that you we've learned that valuable lesson from The Force Awakens, when you go to see this movie, will you be honest with yourself if it's terrible? 
are will you not be swept up in the fever of Star Wars? Like it's it's hard not to right now because of all the the media frenzy that's going on about it. But when you finally see the movie and you have time to process it, will you be honest with yourself after seeing it and 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 be forthright with your opinion? I guess on this or yeah, I'm not going to spend days arguing with myself, <laughs> trying to convince myself that it's a good movie because that made me sick with Episode One. Oh. Like, just the, 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 the stomach-turning twists of trying to say, well, you know, there were this, there's this bit over here that wasn't god-awful, and there's this bit over here that's, like, maybe not trash, and this bit that's sort of decent. It's like being cooked at dinner by someone that you care about, and the food is terrible, but you tried to pick it apart. It's like someone's cooking garbage for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, this fried cockroach tastes better than this boiled rat so you know there's that exactly exactly it, when it's boiled rat and you shouldn't be eating it in the first place <laughs> all right i've got two more questions for you uh, the the second last question is what's your over under that han solo will die in this movie and the uh the part uh the margin is 60 percent uh in favor that he will die do you think it's gonna be under that or over that oh well you know as, as we know harrison ford almost literally died <laughs> <laughs> while making this movie so I'm, I'm gonna go with those odds uh, I think there's a good possibility you know he very famously wanted to die in Empire mm-hmm. and you know you, you kind of gotta expect that a movie like this is gonna have some big shocking moment of killing off one of the beloved old cast members so yeah i i believe he's gonna cash out too even though he's uh been been quoted that he had a really good time filming this movie probably the best time he's ever had filming a star wars movie in general yeah but notice he hasn't said anything about oh i can't wait till the next one yeah (laughs) although we've mm -hmm. we've heard other people talk about you know you know being in in the next movies but not a peep from from ford yeah this is just some some actors i won't confirm it here because i don't want to spoil it for anyone but there's some actors that are are 100 percent confirmed to be in episode eight um i can't say that he has as of yet but then again they just started filming eight so um but when it comes down to it yeah i do believe he's gonna croak in this one I'm, it's over 60 percent for me uh, uh, we'll, we'll know in a week yeah we'll definitely know and uh, but hopefully the internet doesn't ruin it for us before we actually see it well but, i'm i'm seeing it on uh, on thursday so. oh yeah me too actually <laughs> thursday evening so internet's not gonna ruin anything for me on this keep in mind press screenings are on tuesday and the and the and uh, hopefully no nobody from yeah, those press, press screenings press, will screen. press screenings does have NDAs. Yeah, they do, but the uh, not NDAs, but um, they have um, embargoes. Well, the thing is, is that if you already have the world premiere, which is Monday, embargoes don't hold. If you have a world premiere. You, uh, it becomes pol- everything about the movie becomes public knowledge after that. Um, usually they'll have the press screening before the world premiere so that way they can enforce NDAs. They can't do it after the world premiere because it's not a, it's not a press event. But, uh, they may find some way to work around that. Although the movie does come out in France and Sweden, I believe on the 15th. And then it comes out in England the day afterwards, and then we get it the day after that. So, um, the, the, inter- the internet could ruin it for us yet. So. <laughs> Hopefully they won't. Um, last but not least, um, if Kylo Ren and Ray are related, are they siblings or are they cousins? Do you think they're siblings or cousins? I don't particularly care. Oh man, man! Like what? What? You, you know how I am about un- un- oh, speculation. Oh, absolutely, like, absolutely. Especially at this point, a week out, like. Yeah. What does it matter? What's the point? Well, I'm going to be a fool, and I'm going to say that they're cousins, and I do believe that Ray is the daughter of uh, of Luke Skywalker. I think that she's the daughter of Luke, and I think uh, Kylo is the son of uh, of Leia 
and Han. But uh, and uh, just just some things I've come across throughout the last couple of months that have just strongly hinted towards that. But um, well, I could be we'll I could be dead ass week, I could be dead ass wrong, and uh, I will eat my words come next year, <laughs> possibly. But my perspective is like, why why waste time speculating when almost everything is unknown? What's yeah. the point? We are so close that uh, if anything, we'll definitely know real soon. And uh, shout outs to uh, Chris for answering these questions. And Chris, I turn the mic over to you for the mailbag. Thank you very much. Well, mailbag is your game now. Oh, is it now? All right, then. Well, oh, yes, it is. Mailbag is mine. All right, cool. Then we're going to get right into it. We're going to start off with uh, a submission from the Foul Sorceress. And he writes, Between the dwindling number of simulcasts, the abandonment of streaming older shows and the pathetic rental options, is it safe to say that Daisuke.net is a failure? Um, <laughs> what are your thoughts, Chris? Well, I would probably agree with it at the time this question was posted back in April. Mm-hmm. But, you know, things have changed. Mainly stuff like them doing the simulcast for Iron Blooded Orphans. So, you know, before that announcement, I would have said absolutely yes, because the amount of new stuff they had was dwindling, as he noted. And then there had been news quite a while ago that all these anime studios were teaming up to create a new service that would replace Daisuke. But ever since then, there's been no news about that service. So I wonder if they changed their minds and decided to just double down with what they already have. So who bloody knows at this point? Yeah, I gotta agree. I mean, it's it's great to see that they have a, a lock on the North American. Uh, well, I wouldn't say a lock, but they have first first stab at Iron Blooded Orphans when it comes to uh, uh, that particular show, and they seem to be still trucking. So I, I wish them the best. I hope it's not a failure. It doesn't seem to be a total failure yet, but they have uh, um, a lot of the shows that used to be on there are no longer on there, and that, that does suck. But I guess we'll see what happens and see what the future will bring for them. But uh, Foul Sorceress, thank you very much for the submission. Uh, next up is a submission from Takuru. And he writes uh, one of two questions. He says, hey, guys, I have a few quick questions. The first of which is of the Mobile Suit Gundam games, which would you say is your favorite or favorites? I personally like Encounters in Space and Gundam vs. Zeta Gundam. Well, um, to answer that off the top, Gundam vs. Zeta Gundam is probably my favorite Gundam game of all time. And it's mainly because of the um, the alternate timeline, the timeline mode where you can go through the actual timeline of the show, starting from Mobile Suit Gundam going into Zeta, or you can change history. And going from Mobile Suit Gundam and certain characters that died, you can actually see how they would progress through the Zeta Gundam years if they had lived into that series. So I, I love that game. Outside of that, um, definitely Mobile Suit Gundam Extreme versus full boost would be my second favorite but chris uh any 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 games come to mind well if we're gonna say uh mobile suit gundam era and not just literally mobile suit gundam then i'm gonna go with rise from the ashes hmm. on the dreamcast and i got a soft spot for the original original federation versus zeon that was just a really it was cool the game. very first out of the gate i remember importing that for the uh dreamcast way back in the yes. day that was so much fun. I, I, I was so envious that the Japanese got to play online and we didn't. But uh, now I'm living the dream with the X versus. <laughs> yeah, and you know I like I like Extreme versus, mm-hmm. but you know to a certain extent it's just essentially the same game with newer suits and some newer gimmicks. Pretty much. You know, it's not. It's not. It doesn't have the same bang now that it did in say 2000 when the first game came out. <laughs> and honestly that game was like one of the best Gundam games I'd ever played at the time because I'd played some ones beforehand and they were totally awful 
Yes. <laughs> well, because this was made by Capcom, yeah. and you know Bandai knows that mm-hmm. they can make awful games because people will buy them. Yeah. yeah it, people will buy bad, and I'm talking about Japanese people, will buy bad Gundam games for the most part. And one of the exceptions being Missing Link, which sold miserably. Oof. But because they know that people will buy anything with the name Gundam on it, why bother putting any effort into making a good game? Minimal investment for maximum return. That is true. It also helps that they were making the game for the arcade, which you have to kind of make the game really addictive to play, and the gameplay needs to be smooth and 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 and, and the main selling point of the game. So it just makes sense that that game turned out very well, and I'm glad to see that the port for the Dreamcast worked out as well, and it gave birth to the Versus series that we're now playing. So that's pretty cool. But uh, the other question that Takuru asks is, uh, I've recently gotten back into Gunpla, and I'm ma- uh, and I'm amazed how great the quality has gotten since the '90s. What are your thoughts on how the gun Plot ranges have evolved since the old days. Keep the straight talk express gassed up and rolling. But uh, yeah, Gunplot, what are your thoughts on that? It's definitely come a long way. I look at some of the old kits that I had, you know, all those no grade 144 scale wing kits, and you know, some of them are just not something about all of them are just so primitive. Yeah, that's that's the earliest I was um, messing around with Gunplot, and those were pretty bad. Holy God. I mean, I, I, I built. Uh, <laughs> A Toggies one that I'd gotten at an anime store on sale for a dollar. Mm-hmm. I thought, man, this is not a good kit, even for a dollar. <laughs> and I'd also built um, either V8 or Mercurius, and it's like, wow, this is just god awful. And then things got a little bit better I, with some of the uh, X kits that I had, but you look at where you know the HG series is now, mm-hmm. or the Real Great series, and I say, wow, I would have never imagined that kits could be so detailed and that you'd be able to get so much articulation and you know features from bigger scales down into 144 right it's it's come all i know is this come a long way man and uh i think it may have been around the um the seed era where the where the where the models maybe it was a uh, turn a gundam where the models started to shape up a bit i wasn't cl- i wasn't collecting gunpla uh back then but turn a turn a didn't have a uh, big enough model kit line to count for anything that's true but uh see definitely bandai amended bandai abandoned that almost immediately wow damn <laughs> but seed did well and i remember the seed model kits getting uh pretty good reviews and being except for those no grades those no grades are terrible because <laughs> they were made for babies oh damn for they oh wow no grades did they ever continue that line or they 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 did uh similar incarnations of these well they call them i think first grade maybe for seed or mm-hmm. for uh double o but the idea was that it was uh babby's first gunpla nice Duplo gun plug is shit. <laughs> and these things had, they were so basic. They had uh, no articulation. They were just a few pieces. It's uh, not good. Well, hey, I, I, I'm just glad to see that. Uh if anything, that uh, for the most part, we're we're on the better side of Gunpla than we ever have been. And uh, shout out to anybody who back in the day was making uh, putting together Gunpla in the old uh, caveman days. Level 5 Gundam, 26 hours. <laughs> Oh my god. But uh thank you very much to Kuru for the Improperly question. Improperly built Epion 34 hours. Improperly <laughs> Oh man. Next up are a series of questions from Yazi88. I don't know if I'll be able to ask all these questions, Yazi. You went in, but uh I'll ask the first few. Here we go. Uh actually uh we have to skip this one because this question's for Neo, but I will ask just in case Neo's listening, just for the sake of that, Neo. Given you, given you enjoy Pawn Stars, how would you feel about a similar type of show starring Judo, Garrett, 
and duo called Junkyard Hustlers. Chris and Sobo, feel free to add your thoughts. We'll save that for Neil. Maybe he'll send us an answer to that. <laughs> well, but we're free to add our thoughts. Uh, I guess we are free. Uh, I, I think it would be cool. I mean, th- granted, that's the right crew for that. I mean, that, I'm sure they would. I, I'd be interested in what they would dig up, man. All the Leos they would dig up because that was I'm, good. I'm down for that. Along there's along as as long as there's some cameos occasionally from the uh, junkyard kids coming in to mess up a job. Oh yeah, of course, of course. What about uh, what about those two jokers that used to hang out in the junkyards? What, it was uh, oh my god, Beecher and Mondo. Mon- yeah, Beecher and Mondo. Those those guys um just coming in and messing things up. <laughs> but uh no problem second question is if gundam was the first real robot show which is the second or rather which is the first real robot show that aired after gundam that's a real good question and uh, was it a takahashi show was it uh nah because he didn't well i mean are are we talking about um in terms of just impact what's the next big robot show or just literally what aired after MSG because there's a difference. Well, when it comes down to, I think he's what he's talking about is genre, because uh, Gundam, of course, is considered the first real robot show, and he wants to know basically what was the the next real robot show to air after that. And I, that depends on how you define real, real robot, because uh, would would you define Ideon as a real robot mm-hmm. or Super Robot? Yeah, I think it's Super Robot. I, I, if I was to wager a guess, I think it's Votoms. To be honest. Votomes would probably be the second. Although I'd like to say Macross, but Macross really isn't. <laughs> Macross is kind of like a hybrid between real and super when it comes down to it, because the abilities of the the Valkyries and the SDF one, you know, they they kind of break some of the rules of real robot sometimes. And I think that's awesome. Like I said, Macross is my favorite series. But if I was to say real real robot, I would probably say Votomes. Um, when it comes down to production, um, is probably the next real robot anime that come out after uh, Mobile Suit Gundam. Son, you're you're skipping some stuff because I? Um, I cannot answer chronologically what was the second one, but I would say in terms of impact, yeah, it would be undoubtedly Dugrum. Dugrum, though, I look at that as kind of super robot, though. Even though it's got some real robot elements, there's some super robot. But elements you could say that you could say the same. Don't mm-hmm. be so uh, rigid in your classification because there's way more Super Robot-y about Gundam mm-hmm. than Dugram. That's true. You raise a good so, point. Look at it as an aesthetic and not a checklist of it must have all of these things to be real versus Super. Would you consider Macross then being Super Robot? I mean, I real abs- Robot? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, you have elements of real Robot like production. The fact that these these Valkyries are produced. They're not I like- would I would consider Macross more real Robot than Gundam. Oh shit! All right, man. Throw down the gauntlet. <laughs> But uh, yeah, uh, now that you bring it up, yeah, the, the the suits are very disposable, just like uh, in 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 a real robot show would be. And yeah, you raise a lot you raise a lot of good points when it comes to that. So it's up for debate, Yazi. But um, yeah, uh, when it comes down to it, you do have Macross, you do have Dugram, and eventually you get to Votoms. But um, no problem. Great question. And I will say uh, this will be the last question I read from Yazi before we move on. He says, "This is a silly question, but say if some Japanese director slash executive." saw Robotech saw what Robotech did with three unrelated anime and loved the idea or was amused he wants to do what Harmony Gold did with Robotech but instead 
of three anime shows. He wants to do it with three American shows. Which three unrelated American shows, live action or cartoon, would he blend, edit with nonsense together in an attempt to match with Robotech? I'd probably stick with animation in this in this case. But um, if we're going to go American, I'm going to stick with the era too, the 80s. I'd probably go with uh, G.I. Joe, um, Bionic 6, and God, I want to throw Transformers in there, but I'm going to hold off on that since that was pro- mainly inspired by the Japanese toy line. G.I. Joe, Bionic 6, and maybe, uh, what's that one that I hate? Centurions. Those, <laughs> those three, since they have like normal people doing crazy uh superhuman stuff and you can transition from one to the next and come with some cockamamie storyline storyline to make it all work so those are mine anything that comes to your mind sir well i'm gonna stick with the same era but i'm gonna give an insane answer because why not let's go so my choices are he-man oh gem and the holograms yes <laughs> and care bears oh yo, wow <laughs> have at the i need a script By the power of Grayskull's friendship. <laughs> Which would be the first of the three? Would you go with Care Bears first? Just the, 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 gotta, anything. Gotta get, the, gotta, gotta get the ball rolling right. <laughs> Start with He-Man and then position the, the Care Bears as brutal warriors. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and, and change everything about them a la Southern Cross style. There you go. Now, now you're cooking. Yazi, thank you so much for the questions. Appreciate all the uh, inventive uh, inqu- in- inquiries that you gave us, man. Thank you, sir. Last but not least, we're going to go with Yokozuna Bulldozer, who says, hello. And he asked uh, a series of three questions. He, The first question is really quick. He says, would you go to a gym that Obari-fied your physique if there ever was one? Of course, man. Absolutely. I, I want to be Obari as fuck. I want to be. I want I want that broad chest, the broad shoulders. <laughs> Them skinny legs. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. I'm there, man. Just sign me up. But uh, next question, he says, you need a ride after a long night of partying and decide to call a taxi. Who is your one driver out of the many listed below that will take you to your humble abode? The candidates are A, Hallelujah and Hallelujah Haptism. B, MD Geist. C, DK Gunhale and the Dookie, the Dookie years. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god d wakamoto norio aka the voice of lelouch's dad and coach oda e suga akira you know slager law mark two <laughs> f turbo teen <laughs> turbo teen for real oh my god dude i'm going with d wakamoto norio that guy is the best. That guy's got the smoothest voice. That's all all day. I'd be glad to talk to him as we uh, ride safely home because the rest of these guys are nuts. Which one's yours? Oh, of course it's going to be Wakamoto because he's the smoothest motherfucker there is. And I, I would happily and and in an enraptured way listen to him just read off the street names as we drive. Yes, yes. Uh, well, listen to him roll those R's. <laughs> yeah. He's like he was. He, he might as well be half Latin <laughs> the way he rolls his R's. <laughs> oh man, good question, sir. Last but not least, number three, Kawamori. Kawamori recently participated in designing the new Thunderbird Shadow for the reboot Thunderbirds Argo. Likewise, which Mecha alumni would you folks 
like to see collaborate with which Western animation film? I was thinking maybe get Mr. Obari to lead Lord Bay's live action Transformers art department. Dude, that would be amazing. <laughs> well, that'd be great because then they'd, they'd actually have uh, distinct appearances and you could tell them apart. There you go. <laughs> It wouldn't just be indistinct hunks of gray metal. Yeah, freaking rolling around like scraps of, of bolt scraps, just metal scraps of, of, of junk. It's it's so such an eyesore to watch those movies nowadays. I haven't been back to Transformers Four since I saw it. I refuse to. I'm just done. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I mean, you you take you take an Obari mecha design, mm-hmm. anything that's been Obarified, you slap a U.S. military logo on it and show it to Bay as a proof of concept. He'll be like, "Fucking do this now. Where yeah. is this?" That's that's the talk. <laughs> Obari has got the spirit of Bay anyway, so that I think they would work well together. He needs to get on. They need to they need to make that happen. But um, man, what would I? Uh, what, you have any uh, ideas of what you would like to see? Uh, uh, what al- what mecha alumni would you like to see uh, collaborate with? I guess what Western studio at all? I I want to see. This is completely irrational, but I want this. Mm-hmm. I want Shinji Aramaki to design transforming motorcycle ride armor for batman (laughs) that would be badass now imagine you take like so he's got like his his armored suit from dark knight returns and from batman or superman imagine if the bat cycle transformed into that around him Mm -hmm. wouldn't that be awesome that would be insane That would be the best. And, yeah. and given that in Braven the Bold, the uh, Batmobile transforms into both the Batwing and a giant robot, there is a robot president for Batman. And even in Scott Snyder's run, there's powered suits for Batman. And the current Batman wears uh, Briarios, Patlybore-inspired looking power armor. So, yes, give me my transforming motorcycle Batman armor. You know that I that I can't beat that. The most I would do, and this is just because I've always wanted to see it. Um, I always loved as as I mentioned, Macross is my favorite series. Mia Mia Kazutaka. I'd love to see him uh, work on a Star Trek series and work on um just designs for like run, round runabouts and uh uh and starships and just to see his take on that when it comes to either starfleet ships or alien ships even just to see how they would approach that for star trek whether it be the rebooted jj abrams universe or to go with uh, star, a whole new universe again what's that star twick star star twick honorable <laughs> <laughs> mention i would love to see obari design an iron man suit oh shoot i'm amazed that hasn't happened yet it probably will in, in our lifetime, hopefully. Maybe he's even drawn one just off the cuff, but... Uh, wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me either, but... Uh, Yokozuna Bulldozer, thank you so much for the questions, and that is it for the mailbag. If you guys want to submit questions to the mailbag, you know where to go. Just go to uh, mechatalk.net, uh, click on the Gundam and MHQ uh, section, and right there is a thread for the mailbox, uh, mailbag dropbox mark two. Just go ahead and feel free to submit that, or if you're looking at the, uh, the information... Uh, post for this particular episode there's a link to the mailbag right there in the section um that uh that you're listening to right now so you're more than welcome to do that and submit your question and we'll eventually get to it one of these years (laughs) but before we close things out uh thank you guys for listening to gundam a big shout out to neil who's abroad right now you guys learned last episode uh, he is uh, away on assignment, and we'll be back in the coming months. We'll, got, we'll, we'll let you guys know more as we get more information. But uh, Neil will be back. He's been listening to the show and enjoying it, and uh, we miss him. 
And uh, also, I want to wish you guys uh, happy holidays. This is the last episode of Gundam for the year. So, hope you guys really have enjoyed the show over the last couple of uh, over the last couple of years, man. And um, come 2016, we'll be back at it again for more reviews of Iron Blooded Orphans and some of the other upcoming shows. Chris, anything you wanted to add? Thanks for listening this year. Please keep listening next year. There you go. <laughs> We'll be back with uh with, with with Chris and I will be back plus we'll probably have guests on as well in the coming episodes so be on the lookout for that and uh, when you have time make sure to check out these websites head on over to where the magic happens mahq.net visit there for reviews of many mecha related animes and manga series also join the conversation at mahq's official forums at mechatalk.net where you can find forums for this show and other MAHQ and Shinjuku Station podcasts. There you can comment on the thread for this episode or others and submit questions for future podcasts. If you're looking for previous episodes of Gundam at MAHQ, look no further than Gundam.net, where you can also find information on all of our previous episodes. Also find us on iTunes by using the keyword Gundam, and make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. After listening to our show, your next stop should be Chaos Theater. MAHQ's podcast that focuses on other facets of nerddom outside of Mecca. Hosted by the webmaster of MAHQ, Gundam's own Chris Guanche, and the pedal bear of the South, Tomopop's own Pedro Cortez. You can tune into the show at chaostheater.blogspot.com and on iTunes by searching for Chaos Theater. Don't forget that we're also on YouTube, where you can not only find our previous episodes, but extra content as well. Subscribe to these channels when you have time. YouTube.com slash Gundam MAHQ. YouTube.com slash Chaos Theater MAHQ. YouTube.com slash Fighters Ready. YouTube.com slash Shin Station Fight Tube. And YouTube.com slash Shinjuku Station. Last but not least, make a beeline to Shinjuku Station's home for live streaming. That's tinyurl.com slash Shin Station. Every week we stream live with anime commentaries like Shoji Ramaro's Anime Movie Night and live podcasts like our new show, Barbecue Night. Don't sleep. Head on over to tinyurl.com slash shinstation and follow us to keep up with all our future live streams as well as archives of our most recent sessions. Happy holidays, y'all, and thanks again for listening to Gundam at MAHQ. We'll see you guys next year. The year is UC 0077. The young at last rise up and begin the fight for independence. How's that? Does it suit me? Thank you very much, Reno. Mobile Suit Gundam. The origin. Dawn of Rebellion. Char will rise with the dawn. Gundam at MAHQ is a Shinjuku station and MAHQ.net joint. Are you man enough?
Because I don't want I because I don't want to ask you any more questions. I just want to talk to you for a I second. I want to have another Tolkien showdown. Do you want another Tolkien showdown? Yeah, let's have another Tolkien Last showdown. Last time you were here, we were having a Tolkien showdown, and I I smoked you like a ham. Well. You just said it a little bit more emphatically. Okay, so what do you? Okay, you ask me one, I'll ask you one. All right, I've been uh, reading the this rereading the Cimmerillion lately. Yes. Name me just two, two of the Valar, two of the Valar. Do you want the Valar of water, Olmo, or do you want the hunter Whoa. of the Valar, Orome? <laughs> Or do you want his wife, Varda, called Elbreth by the I... elves, who kindled the stars? You come into my house? You come into my house?